Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Good morning. Hey, welcome to Grace Life. That was us. That's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're in a series on marriage. This is week two. Last week we heard from Banky in a day. Wasn't that great for you? That's, yep. If you, if you missed that, you can go back to the website or the app and, and watch it. I recommend that. It was really good. Next week, going to be fun. Jimmy and Ramona. <laughs> it's always fun with Jimmy and Ramona. Anyway, this is my wife, Lane. Hello. <clears throat> yeah. She's beautiful. Awesome. We celebrated our 40th anniversary last September. Woohoo! Yeah, Cancun. Did a lot of laying around, reading. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, so we're going to share our story with you, but I got to tell you, hindsight is 2020. A lot of what we're talking about are things we didn't realize at the moment, but we look back and we see the hand of God in it. So hindsight's 2020. Um, Yep, we believe our stories for everybody, not just married people. You're going to catch that really quick, I think. So if you're not married, don't worry. Listen, God's word doesn't come back empty when it goes out. It's for everybody in the room. So Lane's a lot better at telling stories, so I'm going to turn it over to her for a little bit. She's going to tell how we met and all that stuff. Yeah. I might interrupt just because I'm rude, but well. other than that. Okay. Um, okay, so we met the very first day of college. It was in the cafeteria. I can remember right where he was standing, and I thought, he's got some really blue eyes. And I thought, wow, there's some really straight blonde hair and big brown eyes and faded bell-bottom blue jeans. Kind it of was 1975. So. Arkansas hippie. That's I was, what I, everybody was a yeah. little bit hippie-ish. So, yeah, anyway. You know, bell-bottoms, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, was, I so um, we quickly became very best friends. He was definitely the best guy friend that I had, and he was wise and oh, kind. Oh, yeah, 19-year-old wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> wise for an 18, 19-year-old. Well, I was smart yeah. because he was smart, and I know he might help me keep my scholarship. That didn't so. always work out so good, though, because she would come over to my dorm and try to get me to quit studying and go out and do some hike in some mountain in Arkansas or well. go get a cheeseburger or whatever. He actually really needed my help in that. <laughs> so we balanced each other very well, and it was, it was a good season. Um, he also played the guitar, which was kind of cool, added to the cool hippiness. Yeah, yep. it helped me a little bit. <laughs> James <laughs> Taylor, you know. <laughs> Whenever I see your smiling face, I have <laughs> to smile myself. That was our song after we were more than friends, but that's coming in a minute. Um, we both love Jesus. We were very involved in our church that was birthed on the college campus, and it was just a, a really good season of our life. We grew very, we grew a lot spiritually during that season. But during our senior year, the thought kind of came to both of us independently, could this be more than friends? And in fact, it was, and the answer to that question was Obviously. a very clear yes. Obviously was yes. Yeah. Back in the day, 1979. Whoa! <laughs> yeah! I, I know what some of you are thinking. They graduated from college at the age of 12. 
<laughs> yeah. We were both not true. the ripe old age of 22. And notice Kent's dark hair, and I've got the Farrah Fawcett thing going on. That hair so. is why I had to wear a large helmet in football in high school. Because <laughs> it wouldn't fit so in. So the next picture um, was 11 years later and three children, and it was completely a blur, I think. Oh, yeah. We don't remember anything about the 80s. Yeah. The 80s are crazy. gone. But they were cute. So the, and you know how this is that, um, well, there wasn't Instagram back then. But now there we weren't were, cell phones back then. There weren't cell phones. You couldn't take a <laughs> selfie. You had to work really hard to get a photo. Some of you teenagers don't. You've got a blank look on your face. <laughs> I can see it. So you try to get that perfect kind of picture. That If Instagram had been at the time, we'd be, oh, we've got to have one to put out there. But we all know that that is not real life, especially those of you with children. The next photo is how it, things usually went. Check out Anna Carroll, the short one. See that short one? She's on the Grace Life worship team. Yeah, that was pretty much how she lived most of her life, I guess. We love her. I love that. I love that. Picture. Yeah, so anyway. Look how much that, taller I am than Lynn. Than so I was on a hill, I think. I don't know. I think gravity <laughs> has shrunk me. <laughs> this is a lot different, third service. I like it. I'm much more relaxed. Yeah. So anyway, it took us during that, that time of our life. You guys should really appreciate this. It took five rolls of film, <laughs> and then you had to wait a week for it to get developed, and then you sifted through 5,000 photos to get one that was like that. You know, so, yeah, it was hard. The next photo is our family currently. Our son and his family live in Texas. Our daughter and her family live in Arkansas, and there's Andy Carroll back there. We have one child that lives in Columbia. That's, we're very thankful. Anna Thank Carol. you, Anna Carroll. And the next photo is the season of life that we're in now, and we have these five grandchildren that it's just like they say, they're the light of our, our eyes, and they're very energetic and active and happy and very loud, and they're completely wonderful, and we actually really love in this season of our life. Yeah. Looks like a wonderful life, right? Well, we all know that there's no such thing as a perfect marriage, and we're a perfect example of that, not, of that being true. <laughs> There's no perfect marriages. Uh, we were very different. We were two humans that came together. All of us in the room that are married can understand this. We came into it with selfishness. We came into it with insecurities, with pride. You name it. We carried a lot of stuff into our marriage. And we also carried into our marriage a lot of differences. We were very different people. Um, you want to explain yeah. a little bit? Yeah, so let's go back Storyteller. to when we first got married. We both came from very stable, secure, and loving homes, and we're very grateful for that, and I know that contributed to the people that we are, and we were thankful that we could take that into our marriage, but I seriously had no idea what marriage was going to be like. I had no realistic view at all, because I'd lived with my parents um, or in the dorm for four years, so I'd never really lived on my own, but I was super excited to get married and have this beautiful wedding and have the cutest little minuscule, tiny one-bedroom <laughs> apartment that was decorated really cute. My mom helped me, and it was so fun. So I was very excited to get to play house in my dollhouse. That's what it felt like to me. So it was really kind of fun. But over time, <laughs> it became very apparent 
that our views and our experiences and our personalities were very, very different. I know this will be a surprise to some of you, but I was, I guess I should say I am, very opinionated. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> Jimmy always laughs at you this part. You people that know me. <laughs> and, I, and I'm very laid back. Very laid back. I was very high strung. Yep, and I was very much a conflict avoider. I liked, I liked to avoid conflict. I have to work at not avoiding conflict. Still. Okay. We've worked it out, sort of. So I knew he was the spiritual leader of our family, and I really wanted that, very much desired that, but I also wanted to get my way. I liked to get my way. So I was the opposite of him and the opposite of laid back. So issues about finances and parenting and how we were going to run our household and just spend our time, it was just, there were these conflicting things that would go on, and we had this underlying friction and challenges, I think, that, that happened. Yeah, like budgets. Right. Yeah, that was Bu- Budgets didn't work in her head. <laughs> I'm a math major. Budgets are fine. Numbers, I like numbers. Budgets? No. I do. I, na- I have learned. Yes, I do now. She but does. I wasn't she does very now. good at it in the beginning, and so there was that conflict thing. Um, even though we didn't really fight, we weren't big fighters or anything like conflict that. Conflict avoider. But there was, there really was this, this underlying conflict that was there. Yeah. Um, I verbally said I wanted him to be the leader, but I actually was not a very good follower. And I think that he struggled in learning how to lead someone with a strong personality like what I had. Yeah. So. And I was so laid back that I didn't really care if she thought I was leading or not because I knew I was. <laughs> sort of a prideful thing, probably. I, I knew I was the leader, so it didn't really matter to me if she thought I was well. or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... <laughs> I actually was trying to lead in a more passive-aggressive sort of way. And so, I was trying to lead in a um, sneaky kind of behind-the-scenes kind of Because way. he was so laid back, he didn't really address the issues that needed to be addressed. And I needed that verbal leadership. He definitely led by example, and I appreciated that. But um, anyway, <clears throat> so we continued on with our daily life and until I learned to really tone it down. And he learned how to really step it up. We lived in this constant state that was yeah. not on the same page, not much in unity about just those everyday things in our life. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, that's the problem. We're so different when we come into marriage. And you guys can relate to this. So that's God's working with that all the time in us. And uh, So I want to, before we get to the main scripture, I want to lay a, a little bit of a foundation of how we are going to approach God's Word, and I think it's good that we do this. Uh, Jimmy talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were finishing the series, that series about the Bible, and I, um, so I want to look at two verses that we're, we're going to lay a foundation with. This is how I want you to think when we look at our main scripture. First thing, Proverbs 29 says, there, where there is no vision, the people per- are unrestrained, They're pe- they perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. When we have a vision... Uh, we, we aren't unrestrained. We have direction. There's a restraining. There's a, 
there's boundaries in our life that give us direction and help us get where we're headed, help us have a goal, help us to see, if you will. That's why that verse is important, and I want us to look at our marriages and look at our lives, for those of you that aren't married, in that way. I want us to look at the Word of God and think, he, God is showing us what He thinks about certain things, and in this case, marriage, right? You with me? So where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. We want to have, we want to have vision for our marriages and our relationships and our work and our families. Teenagers, you need a vision for what it is to obey your parents. You need a vision, and it needs to come from the Word of God. Amen? And the second thing, second verse that I want us to, the way I want us to look at what we're getting ready to talk about, Psalm 112.1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Or the woman who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. The person that fears the Lord is a person who greatly delights in his commandments. So, God, I'm asking you right now. I'm going to pray a little quick prayer. God, I'm asking you right now to download into our lives right now a delight in your word and what you say about marriage. Amen. You guys ready? It's a very common scripture for marriage. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. You've probably read it many times if you've been reading the Bible for a while. We're going to start at verse 22, and it's a it's direction for you ladies, okay? Yeah, this is our very favorite scripture of all times. It's absolutely my favorite scripture. <laughs> it says in Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, submission is not near as hard of a word as you would think. It's actually a very normal word in our society because you, every day you go to work and you submit to your boss. Every day children, teenagers submit to their parents. We submit to the, our friends and our family that are speaking into our lives. I mean, we, we submit. So why is it so hard to hear that women submit to your husband? Yeah, women submit to your husbands. Um, there's so much free, freedom and lots and lots of safety in that yeah. word because God has ordained it. Yeah, it, it, it's really an amazing word. When you, I mean, look back a verse. We just read 22. Look at what 21 says. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another. I submit... To Lane, I submitted to Lane this morning. This is a funny example, but hang with me. I submitted to her because she picked out my clothes. Her taste is a whole lot better than mine. So I submit to her taste, right? A more serious example. I submit to, to Pastor Jimmy because he's my leader. He's like 16 or 17 years younger than I am. But God has anointed him to lead. He's called him to lead us, a church family. So no matter what your age it's God's will, and it's his protection for us. It's, it's direction for us to submit to people in our lives that God's put in our lives as authority. And, and it, it, it brings an amazing context into what we're doing. And, yes, it does keep us from being people who are unrestrained. Does that make sense? So thinking that way is what we want to think about when we look at these scriptures in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 
25 is the direction for us husbands and guys someday when you're a husband or even with jobs and stuff like that. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. The script, God is telling us, men, to love our wives like Jesus loves the church. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I think we're going to have to ask for like a, an anointing and a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit to do that. There, there's something spiritually miraculous about doing that. But we, God's telling us to do it. We can do it, right? We just need to ask God and, and follow his lead. And the way Paul finishes that section of Scripture in verse 33, we drop down to verse 33. It says, however, let each of, each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respect her husband. Specifically tells the husband, love your wives. Tells the wives, respect your husbands. We do a life group at Grace Life called Love and Respect that actually unpacks this verse. And uh, it's just, it's really good. If you haven't ever been in it and you're, you're married or you're going to be married, highly encourage you to, to get into that group. You, you can get into it still. Or you'd only be one week behind right now. Um, great, great study on that, on that verse. God's telling us as husbands to love our wives, and he's telling the wives to, to respect. respect. This is an unconditional love and an unconditional respect. It's very important that I love Lane even if she's not respecting me, and it's very important. And I respect even if, he, if I don't feel that love from him. Yeah, it, it needs it to be. It doesn't get me off the hook. Unconditional. Unconditional. It's a, it's, that's what that verse means. You, you follow us? Yeah. All right. So, I put my, my reading glasses back on. It's tough. Being well, it's really how God designed it, the love and respect. Yeah. So, it's very powerful. Yeah, so for you guys, there's a verse in First John that says, um, we love because he loved us first. We love, we, the church, the body of Christ, love because Jesus loved us first. So if it says, husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church, then it sounds to me like, Guys, we need to initiate this, right? We need to be the one that loves first and start this and lead our families and lead our wives by loving first. Don't wait for your wife to respect you. Love, okay? And we ha! Need, we need that was fun. Up. I can see it all over your face. Y'all are pumped. <laughs> Y'all are pumped. Yeah. So... You know, we, we, God did something pretty amazing in our lives. About 20 years in, uh, we weren't, we were, like Lane said, we were very different, and we were, didn't have the same vision, and we found ourselves at about 20 years in hitting a wall. We, God brought our world down, and he started showing us things that rocked us to the core. Um, at the time, I didn't realize how far we were from God's vision, but we found ourselves in a place that could have destroyed our marriage. It was really serious. It was, it was uh, pretty devastating, really. So, I found myself, how did I get there? Well, I found myself in this place because I was, I was really unhappy in, in work. I was very unhappy with my work. I was unhappy 
with the, the, uh, the times and everything about the work. And I started really wanting to be in full-time ministry, which is not a good reason to want to be in full-time ministry, by the way. But I really wanted to be in full-time ministry. I, I started pursuing ministry more than I was pursuing my wife. And this put my wife in a really, really dangerous, vulnerable place. Yeah, so basically, I took myself out from under his covering and his protection and made some really poor choices that were very damaging to our marriage and, and could have potentially really shipwrecked us. And Kent did, he had a job that was very demanding and I was working as well and we were very involved in our church and it was just a busy, busy season. We had teenagers, so I mean that's challenging within itself. So there was all of that in, in the mix and I found myself just really floundering and I was dishonest with myself about where our marriage was. Um, I was telling myself, we're okay, we're okay. But I, I knew that I was making some bad choices that I was not communicating to him about. But I was able to, un unfortunately, <laughs> kind of drew it out, but I was, I, could, I was compartmentalizing. I just put everything in its box so that I wouldn't have to face it. I did not really want to face the ugliness of it or where we were, what was going on. And so as a result, we found ourselves living pretty separately. We, our schedule had to go on, kids had to, you know, have your, the way you are at home, I mean, you have to do what you have to do to make your household run. But really, emotionally, and we, we were just living these separate lives, and this heavy sense of hopelessness began to really settle in me and, and or just was there um, on where our marriage was headed. So, and this level of hopelessness was because of the choices that were being made. Some, I feel like, I mean, that he has said that he made and spoke about earlier. And we were, we were very unaware, I think, of that part of it. Um, the choices that I was making were very disrespectful to him and, and could really bring some damage. But the cool thing is God uses those times. You know, he can, he, what he does, there's a scripture in Romans, where is it, Romans 2, 4, that says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Yeah. So God brought this hope in this potentially hopeless situation and then the ugliness of, of it. But because of his kindness, I mean, you've got to see that. He loves us enough to make us see the hard things about ourselves that we need to change. So he just peeled it all back, exposed the ugliness, the sin, the messiness, the just, it, it was not good to look at. And it was painful because a wound, you know, when you, when you clean up a wound and all that infection, it, it's, it doesn't feel good, but you know that it's doing good and it's helping and, and that you have to go through that to bring healing. Um, so we had a lot of very honest, very truthful conversations, put everything out on the table. We didn't sugarcoat anything. Um, and it was pretty messy. So, yeah. I, I mean, I could, I don't know. Yeah, so about three nights after we kind of hit that wall and started just uncovering things in our life, 
uh, I, I was having a hard time sleeping because of all this, and I, I got up and went to the living room, and I was just crying out to God. I'm just crying out, God, what are you saying? What do you want to do? What, what do I do? Lord, how do I respond? And those kind of questions, just crying out to God. And he, and he took me straight to Ephesians 5.25, which we've already looked at. And he said, Kent, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love your wife like Jesus loves the church. And something happened. I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. But he took the word on the page, the word of God, and he infused it into my heart. He caused me to believe it in a way that had never hit me, and it came alive. And, and God, made, oh, sorry. And God gave me this ability, that, that was supernatural ability, I can't take any credit for it, to love my wife like Jesus loves the church. It, I mean, it, it totally changed things. And it, we had, I think him doing that, it made the words respect your husband really jump off the page for me and really infuse in my heart. And so, so that, that's where our hearts were, I think, at that moment. And so we can ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. And that hope begins to come. And that kindness of God that I was talking about that brings us to that place of repentance. It also brings us that place of change yeah. in our life yeah. too so it, I mean it was it was an incredible turnaround for our marriage and it's what I mean it, it changed it That's it totally right. changed our lives yeah. and changed our marriage and God began in, in that in that moment to just begin to change us in a day-to-day in a -day sort of way as well we started finding ourselves praying together every day we started we, we started spending time with the Lord together we do our devotions together and read the Bible together. And uh, just the everyday piece of that, uh, is it, it, was, it had an incredible it impact on us. I'll tell you one thing that he did that was a real example to me. And this is how he led that when he was really leading. He, for one whole year, 365 days, he rolled out of bed straight to his knees. He didn't stand up. He didn't go to the bathroom. He just rolled. I just got to where I saw it every morning. He just rolled out, got on his knees, lifted his hands, and surrendered his life and surrendered the day to Jesus. And do have your will, Lord, today. Have your will in my life. Be with my wife. Um, and, yeah, my, yeah. So it, it was just such an example. And you talk about giving a wife, a woman, security. That's, that's leading your wife. One other thing we noticed, and, and we've really noticed this in the past 10, 15 years, as we've been in Grace Life, actually, um, as we've fasted together, you know, we'll do the week of prayer and fasting twice a year, and then occasionally Lane and I will dis decide to fast for a day or two and to just seek more of God and a move of God in our marriage, in our lives, like we do at Grace Life. We've seen God really give us common vision and goals as we do that as well. Doing those things um, in our normal lives has a powerful impact to, to pray together and get into the scripture together. And then fasting together has been amazing too. We, this past prayer and fasting week that we did, on uh, you know, we fasted Monday through Friday, 
And then on Saturday morning, we woke up, got our coffee like we do, and our Bibles, and we sat down and we started, we read through the Bible section, and we started praying. And this, this sense of thankfulness and gratitude just flooded our living room. And we began to weep. And we're so much on the same page. I mean, it's like you look back at what we were, where we were 20 years ago, and it's, it's a miracle that God took what, what was happening in our lives, turned it around. God really does cause everything to work together for good yeah. to those who love, love him and are called according to his purpose. He uses everything. It's a, it's a, our God is amazing. He is a, a way maker. He is a miracle worker. And we just we, we thank God for that. So how do we want to challenge you as we get ready to walk out of this place? Here's how we want to challenge you. First off, Philippians 1, 6, the, the verse 6 of chapter 1 of Philippians says, And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm confident of that, just like Paul was. I know Jimmy's confident of that. We need to be confident of that with each other. God started a work in your marriage, and he will finish it. He will finish it. If you're in a place where that doesn't relate to you, where you're working through a divorce or whatever, no matter where you are in your situation, no matter where you are, God will finish what he started. We don't always have to understand it. We didn't understand what was going on. God took something we didn't even see was happening. I was so disconnected I didn't even see it God finishes what he starts we want to encourage you with that the word of God is true listen guys listen to me guys this is just for you every guy in the room our highest calling is to follow Jesus with all our heart and when you get married someday if you're not and if you are your second highest calling is to love your wife and lead her. Love her like Jesus loves the church. That's what his word says. And lead your family. That's your second calling, highest calling. And for women, it's the same. Our highest calling is to follow Jesus. And our second highest calling is to respect and follow our husbands and help him lead our families. Let your husband lead. Be a good follower, and it, it really doesn't give you any less of a voice. If anything, it gives you a stronger voice, and it brings peace into your home. Your, your home can be filled with joy. Um, it's, it's possible. Yeah. It's real. There's, yeah. It's not a fake thing. It's, it can, it's very real because God is with you in that and gives us what we need, and he does finish what he starts. Yeah, that's right. So, as you leave this, morning, this afternoon, and uh, if you're taking notes, or you can see it on your app, there are a couple of things we want to just challenge you with. First thing is we want you to ask God to shape your vision for your marriage and your life according to his word. Let's ask God. Let's make that a prayer. Let's ask God to shape our vision for our marriage and our life according to his word. Okay? That's a great prayer. We're praying according to will. The, the Word of God says if we pray according to His will, we know we already have it. You want that? 
Ask God to do that. Second thing, it's kind of like the first. Agree with God's word and declare it over your marriage every day. Let me expand that a little bit because there are a lot of people in here that aren't married. Agree with God's word and declare it over your life every day, over your, your studies in college or high school or wherever you are, over your work, your relationships with work, your boss. Agree with God's word and declare it every day. Those two things. Can we pray for you guys? Father, we thank you for this incredible privilege to be able to speak to uh, our friends and family here at Grace Life. Lord, we, we, we are asking you to change our hearts, to work in our life, work your word into our life with regard to our marriages, our relationships with each other, our families, work, in every area of our life, God, but especially in our marriages. There's so much coming against us. The enemy wants to tear marriages apart. God, make us strong. May your word be infused into our lives like it was in my heart, God, 20 years ago. Lord, may these folks enjoy the grace of God working in their lives as they offer up their marriages, their lives to you as a living sacrifice. May it be worship to you, God. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for anyone here, God, that uh, hasn't made that decision, hasn't made a commitment to follow you, uh, if you're in that place and you, you're finding that you, you want to follow Jesus, you feel a, something in you that's saying, I want to follow Jesus, I want to just lead you in a prayer right now. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your only son, that he died a, a horrible death on the cross, and that you raised him from the dead, that I have hope that my sins are washed away by your blood, and I have life, and I have eternal life in you. Thank you for making that all possible for me. I want to believe that and follow you, and I pray, God, that you would use me in every way that you want, God. There, there would be much a hope and much fruit in my life because of what you're doing, because of the work of your word in my life. So come, God, take me and, and make me whole and, and full and following you with all my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you guys prayed that prayer, let's celebrate with them. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.